Vegas was crazy tonight. Pre-show action. Not only the formation of Hook and Danhausen, but man, we got a lot of matches. We got the women's championship match with Thunder Rosa making her defense. We've got a triple threat action for the Jungle Boy Lucha Express. We got the TBS championship with Jade Cargill. Defending against Anna J. We also have Team Elite versus Team Delete. The Trios match. Anarchy in the arena, and boy, did it exceed expectations tonight. MJF in a really weird behind the scenes story that's heating up. We got the Owen Hart Foundation Men's Finals. And in addition to that, we have the Women's Finals for the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament. And it did not disappoint. And you know what else, guys? We had a nice surprise match tonight between Darby Allen and Kyle O'Reilly. And we had some six-man tag action. A little bit of too much of Sammy and Tay. And in the main event, Adam Hangman Page defends his title against CM Punk. All that tonight on May 29th, Memorial Day weekend, double or nothing. Welcome everybody to Tap Out Talk. I am your host, Brian The Hype Ballard. And that's right, we're going to get right in to AEW Double or Nothing Results and Thoughts. It was a day of action. It was a long event. It was almost too long. Almost six hours of action. I just got back from the theater, and I'm doing this podcast for everybody and for myself. And here it is, two in the morning. But you know what? That's okay, because we don't quit here on Tap Out Talk. We say, let's get in. All right, so first up, we did have the buy-in, the pre-show buy-in. We had Hook and Dan Housen on the pre-show buy-in, um, or as you would know them as Hookhausen, versus Tony Nese and Smart Mark Sterling. So in this matchup, we had a lot of just action overall, okay? Dan Housen in the ring. We had a little bit of mix of Hook. Um, what they're doing here is AEW is doing a very, very young edition of these comedy pairings right you've seen it with rk bro and you've seen it with the rock and sock connection in the wwe so now we have the very serious hook who's this kid's a beast right and then you have dan Housen, who's that goofy the best way i can describe him is he's santino morella mixed with sting mixed with insert some other kind of crazy character right so not bad uh pairing for hook housing and they do actually take the win in this one through, you know, some back and forth. Um, a couple of things I observed in this match. Tony Nice 
man, he's smooth in the ring, right? But unfortunately, he just doesn't have that identity, right? And that's an issue with a lot of wrestlers I see nowadays is they don't have an identity yet, right? But Tony Nese is definitely, you know, a package. And, um, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more. He is just definitely one of the most fluid in the ring. Now, let's talk about... Not much with Mark Sterling, but let's talk about Dan Housen, right? He's a comedy relief. We know that. He likes to curse things. But if you look at uh, Hook overall, right, the son of the legendary Taz, and he looks straight up like an MMA fighter, um, I think it's smart to put him in a tag team like this and hide him in in the undercard because, one, he's insanely popular, right? And then with that being said, there is going to be a fan demand to push Hook, right? And send in Hook, as they say. So I really think it's smart to allow him to develop in a tag team scene. Let him, because the kid's got such a future ahead of him. He knows how to pop those hips when he does those suplexes, and he's strong as hell. So basically, what I'm going to see here was I wouldn't mind seeing this go on for a little bit, but ultimately, I could see Hook um, either joining possibly one of the MMA factions that are starting to develop here in AEW, but definitely got a lot for this young kid. Um, Again, and I like Tony Nese in the match. He's smooth as ever. And it just goes to show you when you work at that WWE product, sometimes they just iron out a couple things and you know, it's good that we're getting those guys in AEW to help take us to that next level. Um, Overall guys, it was hook and it was Dan Housen taking the win and the pin. And that was the buy-in. Let's move on to the main event of the show, Double or Nothing. So in this matchup, we were given um, right away the MJF versus Wardlow, right? And this had some really weird vibes to it tonight, guys. So here's what's going on. Live reports broke that MJF has been extremely unhappy with AEW, right? He has actually been... Posting a lot about Cody Rhodes and wanting to join Cody Rhodes. Um, and he kept keeps saying in 2024, which is a couple years away. And then he keeps saying that he has issues with Tony Khan, right? And I think this is all boiling. And I first I thought this was just him doing his job playing a heel. But man, now we're not so sure, right? So MJF has been uh, apparently no-showed an event yesterday on Saturday, a FanFest event. And so that added to where AEW was put in a very precarious situation to where they would have to actually give refunds out or offer other wrestlers to kind of step in for them. Now, I didn't think much of it. I said, no, can't believe anything a night before, especially AEW so good at doing these kind of things. I was like, I'm not falling for it. And I don't care if Meltzer or whoever else is actually reporting this stuff, right? Oh, MJF's booked a flight out out of Las Vegas tonight, right? Okay, well, that's fine. I mean, everybody has to leave sometime. So here's what really threw me off. They put this match number one on the card, okay, which is not the normal for MJF, but that's fine. You know what? It can happen. It's, It's a good matchup. This is a payoff match for MJF and Wardlow. MJF comes out, his music hits, and he takes his time coming out, but he's here, right? So then ultimately, I see MJF, he acts like, I mean, he's being his normal self and he's flipping off the crowd and saying fuck you to the lady and stuff like that. But ultimately, there's being his jerk self and then there's acting like he truly didn't want to be there and he was just there forced to do a job. It's like you don't want to go to work one day and you're forced to do your job. So, here's the deal. Um, 
it's very strategic that Tony Khan put this match on first. Okay? And this match, you I'll get to it here in a sec with the breakdown. It was a fast-paced squash match. It went so fast, so quick. I believe truly in my heart this was not the match that it was meant to be for a payoff. But I believe MJF might want out of AEW. And I believe there is some truth to these rumors now. Here's the thing. I also know that Tony Khan has got him for two more years. And he said, look, if you want to work out any kind of agreement, you're going to show up and you're going to do this job for Wardlow, right? And you're going to work with him because we need to have this feud paid off and done. And I believe that MJF did do that. That's a smart move by MJF because you don't, in this business, want to get on the bad side of the boys. And you don't want to get on the bad side of those guys in the locker room saying you're a me guy, right? Um, So ultimately... You know, MJF's one of the best heels in the business, and we got Wardlow with this matchup who's uh, breaking up in a Batista-like breakaway, right? And I see a lot of comparisons there, and I do agree with them. So um, let's go ahead and break down the match a little bit. So we got MJF's music hits, and he takes his time coming out. But again, like I said, he's there. Wardlow is handcuffed. He's got... um, He's got no music, though, right? And they just kind of say it doesn't even matter. It's all business. The crowd is electric for this one. I cannot say enough. The crowd was amazing tonight. I was, like, wowed by this. And it was so nice to have such an energetic crowd. Uh, the bells run. MJF immediately takes a, you know, a roll out to the outside and actually says he needs a break, right? So he's doing the heel, you know, classic thing. Wardlow has enough of the games. And he pulls MJF in by his hair. Wardlow has MJ up for the power bomb. And MJF bites him in the head to get out. I've never seen a powerbomb reversed by a bite, literally, to the head. So I thought that was great. Very cowardly and heel-like. So then um, he follows him up with an eye poke. And it was funny because right before it, Jim Ross made a comment of how there was shades of Rowdy Piper in MJF. And then, boop, classic eye poke to stop Wardlow, which is very much Rowdy Piper. Her, uh, there was a Hurricane Rada by MJF, but Wardlow is out at one and two, right? MJF comes up with a limp and he fakes a knee injury as he pulls the dynamite ring out of his trunks right in front of the referee, Captain Obvious style. And Wardlow, so they both see it, right? The referee takes the ring off of MJF's uh, finger and all of a sudden MJF's knee's fine, right? MJF then tells Wardlow he'll quadruple his pay. They handshake on it, but Wardlow holds on to his hand and then it's time for the power bomb city, right? Wardlow proceeds to do the power bomb. One! Picks him up again. Two power bombs. Three, four, five power bombs in a row by Wardlow. And that's it. Wardlow puts his boot to his chest. One, two, ooh! He put, takes his foot off, and the referee can't count the three. So then Wardlow wants to make MJF pay. He gives them six power bombs. Looks at the crowd, points seven on his fingers, and does seven. And then he does eight, nine, right? And pulls it off with two back-to-back power bombs. And then finally, ten. And he looks at the crowd and he does a ten chant. Very Sean Spears-like. Ten, 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 right? And the whole crowd is ten, ten, ten. Boom! Power bomb ten. And it's over. One, two, three. With Wardlow putting his boot on top of MJF, defeated in a squash match while he flexed very Batista Hogan style, right? So at the end, Wardlow is your winner. It was a squash match. Wardlow is now a made man. 
And MJF, again, is a good professional wrestler, and he can get beat like that. It won't even matter, right? So it doesn't hurt MJF, and this was the payoff for Wardlow. Um, MJF is loaded onto a gurney after the match and strapped in as the entire arena chants. And as they're wheeling him out, there's fans like flipping him off, calling him an asshole. Tony Schiavone's there. As we get Wardlow as he goes up to the end of the stage, and all of a sudden we have an announcement that Wardlow is free from MJF and his contract. Wardlow is all elite. And we are given up on the screen the classic Wardlow is all elite thing. And Tony Khan has offered the Wardlow that contract and he accepts. This was a great way. Uh, a couple things here, right? This was a great way to build Wardlow as a true babyface and babyface fashion. And he looks grateful to finally have a good employer in to Tony Khan, right? To have a great employer. And he escaped the clutches of his bad, evil employer, MJF, right? So he is now a legit wrestler for AEW and is in that elite status. Um, couple personal notes on this match, again, with some of the weirdness and stories. They didn't acknowledge any of Wardlow's disgruntles in this matchup. So that now tells me that there could be some truth to this. The other thing I run into, and I'm seeing guys, is he actually... MJF not just wanting to be there, but Tony Khan putting him on first. If there's a guy that's going to give you trouble in your locker room, you're going to not just only... Get him out of the building, right? But you want to get him in there, get him to do a job as quick as possible and send him home, right? And just get him out of there. You know, you got to separate the audience from the show when it comes to the disgruntled stuff. And that's exactly what happened tonight. Tony Khan put MJF out there quick, gave him a very simple task, gave him a squash match, rode him off TV for good, moving ahead with Wardlow, and we'll figure out the MJF stuff on Monday. And he sent him back home on a plane. And all that wasn't acknowledged on TV, but MJF did, in fact, leave Vegas early tonight. And it was done by design to put him on number one and get him off of the show and still deliver to the fans and move ahead. I hope the WWE does not get their claws into MJF because I would love to see MJF stay in AEW, right? He's a, one of the originals, and he's the best heel in the business. And I know some of it reportedly is due to money. And some of these WWE guys getting paid more than him. And I feel like him and Tony Khan can get to the table. And they can make this work. Because he's a future main star in that business. Here's the other thing. He did give up that ring in that match. That glorious ring that he you know wears. And the referees made sure they got that back during this match. So again, I think this is MJF possibly leaving. And that ring is going to maybe go to somebody else next time. So... More to come on this story, but overall, it was a squash match, but it served its purpose, and I didn't mind it, and it got the job done. Now, Wardlow is moving on. All right, so up next, we've got Team Elite versus Team Delete. We've got the Hardys and the Bucks. And so what's happening is, first, we've got the Hardys coming out, right? We've got the Hardys coming out in this classic showdown. Again, Team Elite versus Team Delete. Delete, right? And I look at this, Matt and Jeff, iconic as they can come. And one of the greatest tag teams, Team Extreme, as they can be. So in this matchup, you guys got to ask, how are they going to pan out? How are they going to deal with their adversaries and a team that many people compare them 
and that is very much the Young Bucks. And with that, the Young Bucks make their way out to the ring. The Young Bucks are dressed in Elvis attire for Vegas. That's right, Super Kick Party! They come out in the Elvis attire for Vegas with the big chops. And their music is a little remix of Viva Las Vegas tied in with the Super Kick Party theme that you're hearing right now, right? And so, be elite. Be elite. That's right. This is a classic matchup between these two and let me tell you it did not disappoint tonight guys so the young bucks and the hardys getting it on so the young bucks are again are dressed as elvis and they're joined by caprice coleman on commentary that's awesome and then matt hardy and matt jackson the mats right both brothers have matt in them start things off and in that point matt hardy and matt jackson for this match overall begin things there's a drop kick to Matt Jackson and to start. And then both men trade leg sweeps. And Matt Jackson tells Matt Hardy he's faster, he's younger, and he's better than him. He then tags Jeff and Nick um, as Nick evades a double back elbow slowly trotting away. So the second attempt lands with a fist and elbow drop combo. The fans start to chant for Brandon Cutler, who also came out with them. We're trying to forget Brandon Cutler, right? Ever since the Hardys did, the or the um, Bucks did that impersonation of the Hardys and Brandon Cutler was dressed as Lita, nobody needs to see that. So, ultimately, we got the tag teams and both mats hit vertical suplexes, and then Nick Jackson is in, and the Hardys hit a double gourd buster on Nick on top of Matt Hardy. Matt and Jeff go for the old school in the corner, but MJ... Uh, Matt Jackson ducks, and Nick hits an insiguri in the midair. Matt Hardy looks for the Razor's Edge. That's a classic. I've seen a lot of Razor Ramon tonight in these matches that we've seen. So Matt Jackson, I'm going to call him Jackson, and um, Nick Jackson hits a super kick. Matt Jackson runs Jeff's head first into the turnbuckle and hits a double-team fist with a drop senton. Nick is the legal man, and now... He has Jeff, and he hits a double clause line on both of the Bucks. Nick looks for the tag to Matt Hardy. Uh, Landon then pulls him off the apron, and then Nick looks for the whisper in the wind, and Jeff ducks, and he hits the whisper in the wind on his own. Matt Hardy gets the tag and cleans house on a hot tag. Side effects by Matt, a side effect hit by Matt Hardy on Nick and gets a two count. Nick tosses Matt Hardy to the ropes, and Matt Jackson... Uh, low bridges them. There's a soccer kick from Nick, right? The soccer kick from Nick to Matt Hardy on the outside. The face buster from Nick to Jeff Hardy, who then super kicks Jeff Hardy off the raper and onto his brother. Nick, uh, with a somersault senton, is sent to the outside to take out everybody. There's a shining wizard by Nick to Matt Hardy on the inside of the ring. Risky business by the Bucks to get Matt Hardy to a one and a two. Nick, with a rising knee strike in the corner, misses Matt Hardy and nails his own brother. And a super kick by Nick misses. Jeff Hardy takes out Landon. And then the side effect on Matt Hardy to Matt Jackson on the apron. It is all over the place, as you would expect in an elite versus elite situation. 
So at this point, there's the BTE trigger gets reversed by the Bucks in the rebound with a double super kick to Jeff. And then one to Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy tells his brother to get out of the ring in an attempt to save him. But it's a super kick party time. And then the Bucks deliver about 10 of them in succession to both Hardys. Can the referee count to 10 here while all four guys are in the ring? That's the question. Come on, man. it says double super kick to both men. Landon is moving to the steel steps to the outside. And on uh, Matt Hardy grabs MJ from behind and then hits a razor's edge in the ring. Matt is placed in the steel steps and hits a swanton powerbomb. It's a twist of fate to Nick. Another one. Jeff Hardy then goes up for the swanton and hits it. One, two, three. And the winners, the Hardy Boys. They pulled it off. Now, you know, I want to talk about this one a little bit tonight, right? It was That's the action. But there was some story in this match, and I don't know, you know, how do I say it? Jeff Hardy looked very sluggish in this matchup. Or sloppy. You know, he looked sluggish. He looked very down. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, all right? Because we do all know there's a history there, but I'm not jumping to that conclusion, okay? I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's a lot older. I think he's just kind of a little bit winded, but he was sluggish and off. Now, I also want you guys to know, you know, before we go there, uh, his boot did malfunction for most of the match. It was when he went up on the rope of that first whisper of the wind. It's like his bootstraps broke, right? And that really threw him off. And then he had to tag in Matt during the match. And that allowed him to, I think, adjust his boot, but he couldn't for the longest time. I also think he took a very sharp hit to the head early on, which allowed him to sit in the corner for a while. He seemed very concussed, right? So um, he was out of it. He was loopy. I hope and I pray that it's not related to any kind of relapse for Jeff Hardy, okay? I don't believe that that would be the case, but his boot definitely was not latched. He definitely, you know, had not his best match, and Matt was definitely carrying him through the match. Um, and you know what? I would say the Jacksons, the, the Young Bucks as well. Um, this match was okay. I mean, people, you know, I think it's a huge dream match. I wanted to see this. I had my Jeff Hardy shirt going tonight, right, with the guys. I was there with my, my boys, Nick and James. Uh, sorry, not Nick. I was there with my boys, uh, James and Todd. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Todd. Um, and not to be, you know, that person, but, um, you know, I think that they can do a little bit better in this, and I feel like there's a payoff, you know, match for these guys. Maybe like a TLC match. I think that'd be amazing, right? But this was a good start, and I think they could have a return match in the situation that could do a little bit better. So, um, with that being said, I'm gonna say, you know, they're two for two so far tonight. I did not mind this match. I feel like it's the beginning, and I feel like they can still have more to go. It is very clear though that the Hardys are getting aged and a little bit more winded as they. You know, enter their older years and years of having these crazy matches. Let's not forget, Jeff has also been dealing with some, uh, you know, he just had a heck of a match against Darby Allen a few weeks ago, which was amazing. Um, so I know that probably took something out of him as well. So he's got to get back in shape with that. So um, we then, after this, get a really quick promo with the Ass Boys and the Acclaimed. Um, they're drunk in Vegas and... Um, I, I refuse to call Billy Gunn daddy ass, but okay. Daddy ass finds them all passed out on the hotel room. 
It's kind of hilarious, right? It looked like a little scene out of The Hangover, and you could tell he was messing with them. I thought they were going to go somewhere more with these uh, vintages of the ass boys and their, you know, their overall and the claim and their adventures. But that's really where it ended tonight was just a video from Billy Gunn or Daddy Ass. So let's go ahead and let's get into our next matchup which was Jade Cargill defending her TBS championship against Anna Jay. All right, so this matchup. Um, all right, guys, this was not the best matchup of the night, and it wasn't good. All right, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. This was a low point for me, in my opinion. Um, these girls are both very green, and this should have been done on a Rampage or a Dynamite, but, you know, and there was so much tonight. I mean, I know Tony kind of wanted to get everybody on the card, but I don't think this had any business being on the card. This probably should have been saved for Rampage this week. So, um, I want to start off by saying, you know, I'm not downing these girls for being very green and being very new, right, into the business. But they got a lot to learn, right, in my opinion. Jade Cargill is a project. Okay, and she's got a lot of potential. She's got a good look. She's got some charisma. And she's working in the ring, and you can see it, right? She's got some stellars of moves. The thing that really throws her off, and along with Anna Jay, is their timing. Okay, they timed a lot of moves, and they really just, it was slow timing, or they were mismatched with each other. So um, Anna Jay, again, very green, right? And when I say green, I'm not even talking like Jade's hair, right? I'm talking the overall work and the, the way these two gelled. Um, I don't know if they really practiced, you know, these, this match or, you know, but they definitely were off tonight. Um, Anna Jay, you know, she's doing that whole weird Dark Order thing, right, still. This matchup also had a lot happen in it that was important once the match was over in the breakdown. I'm going to get to that in a minute. All right, so there were some significant things here, but also, you know, I guess let's just go ahead and go into the breakdown and then I'll kind of talk about what happened. But I just want to say, you know, this is the AEW um, having to de develop its female talent. And, you know, I'm not mad at them for it because, you know, they invested a lot in foreign Asian talent. And then the pandemic happened and they didn't have half their female roster and they developed their male roster. So now we're still playing catch up and we're going to have these projects like these ladies and figure out who's working, right? But the biggest thing is, is I do like Jade Cargo and I think she's got a future. Um, she just got to keep plugging away at it and I think that we can get her there as a, you know, a confident, strong power wrestler, right? So this is, um, it was a tough spot. I mean, Jade basically catches a cross body block in the match and hits a fall away slam. Again, another Razor Ramon style, right? Scott Hall. Jade is, the, or he's, um, she hits that on Anna Jay and then is clotheslined by Jade. Jade goes up to the top, okay? And I'm and at this point, I'm like, oh, don't go to the top rope. You girls have no business doing any high spot moves right now because your timing was off very early, right? So then um, Jade goes to the top and then she gets off the top rope, thank God. Jumping back, um, there's a jump back elbow by Jade in the corner. Jade goes up again to the top. Jesus, what's with this? But then uh, Jay catches her and hits a superplex on, and both women are down. Jay lands a back heel kick and a diving blockbuster basically off of the top rope. Okay, and at this point, Kira Hogan and Red Velvet grab Jay off the apron and hit Jay hits, um, 
but Jay hits a double DDT on the outside, so the baddies are there, right? And then, so they were sitting ringside. So Jay rolls back in the ring, and Jade catches her in an attempt um, at the Jaded, but um, Jay rolls through with a close two count. Smart Mark Sterling comes running in with the neck brace, selling his match earlier with Hookhausen and how he was so beat up. And he throws the crutch in the ring. Uh, this was really, really, really a bad spot by Mark Sterling. Okay, he's clearly carrying a crutch. And then he throws it right past the referee, a big giant crutch. And he's like, hey, look at me, look at me, right? And the referee is really showing, come, coming off as very stupid here, right? And he's looking like, oh, I didn't see nothing. And I'm talking to you now. What do you want, sir? Like he's taking his order at a restaurant or something. So basically... At this point, I'm thinking, wow, it's not even a pair of brass knucks that was small that he might be able to not see. It was a big, giant thing, right? So at this point, Anna Jay then grabs the crutch and hits a Russian leg sweep, and the crutch assisted um, for a two count. And then Johnny, uh, John Silver basically is here, and he takes the neck breaks off Mark Sterling, and then he hits a brain buster on the floor. Jade then hits the Eye of the Storm on Jade. I love that move for Jade, the Eye of the Storm. Nice move. Two count. Jade um, looks for the Jaded and gets uh, free and then gets her hooks in and locks in the Queen Slayer. But Jade climbs to her feet and Jade goes to the top rope and Jade follows. And we've got someone walking down the ramp at this point, right? So after this match, somebody's walking down. And it's none other than Stokely Hathaway. Big Stoke. Jade takes advantage of the situation and hits the Jaded off the top rope for a one, a two, and a three. And guess what? Mark Sterling is out and Stokely Hathaway is in and in the ring with Jade. And it looks like he is now the representation of Jade Cargill. Now, if you guys don't know who this Stokely Hathaway is, um, you might recognize him from NXT 2.0. He was the mouthpiece behind the one and the only Diamond Mine, right? So that was a good group. Yeah, I kind of started enjoying down there. And hey, Diamond Twitter, right? So um, Malcolm uh, Blivens is basically was the character he portrayed. So um, ultimately, you know, I think he might be a decent manager to kind of lead this Jade stable, right? So um, the match was not good. I just want to start there. It was awkward, and there was just so much miscommunication between Anna Jay um, and Jade. And the you know, the baddies at the end they attack Anna Jay in a post-match beatdown. Right? Is this where it picks up a little? Chris Statlander is here, and she makes the save. Um, I didn't realize how big Chris Statlander is, as far as she's almost as tall as Jade. Um, you know, I just didn't realize that. The crowd is going nuts for Statlander. And we have some unfamiliar music, and it's none other than the fallen goddess, Athena, a.k.a. Ember Moon, has arrived in AEW. That's right. Ember Moon, now going by Athena, the fallen goddess. And Stokely gets in the middle of Jade in the baddies retreat. So, this is going to be great for the women's division. Um, I feel like we're slowly starting to get these girls in here that actually know how to you know, time these matches and wrestle. And Ember Moon's going to be a great addition. I'm a fan of her work. Ember Moon, Tony Storm. We're starting to get some really good signed ages that, um, you know, girls that are going to affect this division in a positive way and that have that 
NXT, really good NXT training when it was really good training. So ultimately, um, I'm hoping these girls can affect the other girls like Jade because um, I do think there's talent there, but we need the Ember Moons and the Tony Storms of the world to come in and, and be stars and help out. So welcome Ember Moon. Thank God. Please come here to save some of these girls and help them out. And, you know, we need to find our version of Natalia Neidhart in AEW to say, hey, who's the girl that's going to help take these girls to the next level and teach them? So then up next, match number four, we are given the death triangle in our trios match against the House of Black. So this one is um, really where business picked up with the last match not being so good. So this is the House of Black versus the Death Triangle. And this match was all over the place. But you know what? I enjoyed it and it told a lot of good stories here. You've got, you know, the House of Black. You know what they're made of, right? With Murphy and you got, of course, Malachi Black and Brody King, right? But then you got the Death Triangle. You got the Bastard Pock. You got a dead man in Penta El Zero, and then you got a psycho in Ray Phoenix, right? So this is just going to be a great match beatdown. The crowd's ready, and Black and Phoenix start in this one. This will be fast, and you know, like I said, it was a lot fast paced. So let's get going. Phoenix backflips out of the German suplex and hits a Hurricane Rana. Phoenix hits a rope and rebounds with a spinning heel kick that Black was waiting on. As he attempts the blackout and both men miss, Matthews is in and he eats a super kick by Phoenix. Quick tag to Penna, who gets dumped on the outside by Matthews. Cerro Miedo, aka Penna, by Matthews, followed by a combo kick. Penta hits a combo of his own and he ends up with a super kick. A hurricane rata by Penta as Matthews hits on the outside and then stalemate. Cerro Miedo. Pac and King are now legal. Mon uh, monstrous chops by King as Pac goes to the top and King boots him to the outside. King is about to dive to the outside, but the entire death triangle meets him in the center and in the ring as the House of Black back up King. This is breaking down. Big boot by Black and a huge lariat of, by King to Pac. There's a sling blade of the middle rope by Penta to Black, and then Miura uh, by Matthews to Penta. A lot of action, guys. It was all over the place. I'm doing my best. Um, pump, basically, then there was a pump kick to Matthews to Pac, but Pac rebounds with a Poison Rana and a King Kong Lariat. Whew. All right, and then uh, King and Pac are legal as King hits a huge boss man slam. You remember that? Boom, round, swinging the body around. Hard chop by King, and then a tag back, a tag to Black. A roundhouse kick to the stomach, and a tag to King. A shoulder tackle by the King and a senton. And then a big splash in the corner by King, who misses a running cannonball. Thank God on Pack, and he's crawling out of his corner. That would have been devastating to have that big man just going at you like that. So the top rope con Hilo by the Lucha Brothers and King and Black. And then the triple team splash moonsault by the death triangle to get a long two count on King. Phoenix with a step up drop kick to King. A topa suicida by Phoenix that Matthews catches and um, brain busters on the floor. And then Penta with a double jump splash to Pac. Man, these guys were everywhere. Okay, it's Luchas. They were hopping all around like crazy. So then Dante's Inferno by the House of Black um, bets and it's a two count. 
There's a triple pump kicks by the Death Triangle to the House of Black as the Lucha Brothers are super kicking everyone. It was a super kick party, but wrong, wrong guys, wrong team. But triple kick to Brody. Pack and Black are left, and there's a sheer uh, step up in the Canadian Destroyer off of Phoenix, back to Matthews on the apron, and boom, holy crap, you know. Um, Penta has King draped on the apron to the outside, and Phoenix comes off the top rope and assisted a DDT stomp. Malachi Black challenges the entire death triangle by himself, and as he hits the blackout on Penta, and then he hits another blackout on Phoenix, taking out the Lucha Brothers. And then there's an Inseguri by Pac that goes up. Matthews makes the save, and Pac throws him off the rope and hits a springboard 450 over Matthews onto Black. And Pac, with a rebound German on Matthews, and throws him onto King. Pac with a low blow to Malachi, while Alex distracts the referee, uh, their manager. And then Pac goes to the top. And then all of a sudden, lights out. And we don't know what's going on. JR's like, by God, the lights have went out. What's going on? What's happening? The lights come back on, and there's a girl standing in the corner. It's Julia Hart from the Varsity Blondes, but she's looking very Alexa Blishlish. So Julia Hart is there, standing in the corner, and she missed Pac right in the face as he's in the corner. And then the blackout by Alistair Black gets it done. One, two, three. And the House of Black remains victorious. Now with Julia Hart as their member. Interesting development here, right? I think we've seen it was coming. Um, I joked and I said, this whole Alistair Black, House of Black, stalking Julia Hart in her varsity blondes jacket, right? It looked like something out of a... You know, you got Alistair Black and you got the Varsity Blondes with their Varsity Jackets. It looks like something straight out of an episode of Riverdale, right? And they're like, oh, and I was like, uh-oh, Riverdale turned into wrestling. <sighs> All right. But, you know, this match, I mean, honestly, guys, you know, you're going to have your different opinions on this one. I personally like this match. I enjoyed the little bit of chaos, and I thought it was well-placed, you know, after the previous match. So I think it picked up the pace really well. And I know me and the guys in the theater, we enjoyed it. Um, so, you know, I love it all. I like all the guys in this match. And I felt like they did a really good job showcasing themselves. And then, as James likes to say, chef's kiss, right? Um, having Julia Hart out there to for the payoff that we finally knew we needed to get. So I'm liking it. I like the Brody King, Buddy Murphy, Alistair Black, Julia Hart. I think the House of Black thing is going to work well and work well for a while. And I also like the Death Triangle and what they were doing there. But House of Black all the way and the win. Let's get to the next thing. All right. So the next was none other than the Owen Hart Foundation. So this was a great idea that was brought up as AW partnered with the Owen Hart Foundation, Dr. Martha Hart, um, who is the former wife or widow of Owen Hart. And it's great to see Owen Hart celebrated back in wrestling. And so we've got Samoa Joe and Adam Cole, baby. Now, this was the finals for the men's match. There was also a female's Owen Hart Foundation tournament. And we've got that match right after this, and we'll talk about it. 
So this is a classic lineup here, right? I mean, you got Samoa Joe versus Adam Cole, and I don't believe these two have ever matched up before, right? Um, they were in NXT for a little bit, but I don't think they've actually ever crossed paths before until now. So when you come out, you got Samoa Joe and his green and black stripes, and you got Adam Cole donning the Owen Hart pink style, right? And right there, that's telling me the aesthetics and it looks pleasing i'm like he's gonna win this thing because we got to have those pictures and those marketing right so mike kyoto's referee in this one i don't know if you guys noticed that or not right that's cool and he's like the crowd chants oh win oh win cole is decked out in like heart family pink basically as he comes out to the ring joe beats on cole in the corner with some body shots and the crowd chants along strong chops by joe to start Running elbows in the corner, following by a Joe uh, version of the Pele kick, right? And then Joe dumps Cole to the outside, and Cole catches him and rushes him in with a super kick. Cole then runs Joe into the shoulder first to the ring post. Um, the injured shoulder from the Satin Singh, uh, by the way. So then Joe tries to return strikes, but Cole is focusing on the arm, exposing a weakness. The shoulder lock by Cole and JR discusses how much Owen Hart means to him on the commentary in a very nice moment. Cole up top looking for the Panama Sunrise on Joe, but good God, I don't see that happening. Do you guys? Panama Sunrise on Joe? All right, let's check it out. Nope, Joe catches him and he hits a double knee breaker. Cole rushes into the corner, but Joe catches him with a high angle STO. And Joe then delivers a jab with his good hand, there's the Manhattan drop, the high boot, and a big senton, and Joe gets a two count. Big power slam by Joe after that, and gets another two count. Joe looks for a power bomb, but the injured arm puts a stop to that, and the backstabber by Adam Cole gets a two. Cole is has then began to use a crippler crossface locked, and he locks it in on Joe, but he only gets a two count. Joe blocks a super kick and then lands a big power bomb with a stack for another two count. Two, 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 lots of twos. Colst kicks out and Joe transitions him into an STF. Joe straps the both of the Cole's wrists and he get, does almost like a Rings of Saturn bicycle lock on him. And Cole can't get uh, to where, you know, basically he can't get to the rope. At this point in the match, I was joking. And I was like, you know, if Adam Cole would just flop his hair a little bit, his hair could get on the rope. And if he got his hair on the rope, does that count? I mean, because that is part of you touching the rope, right? So he couldn't get his hands, couldn't get his feet. And I'm like, Adam, next time just flop your hair on the rope and the referee should have to be able to break that, right? Because a part of you is on the rope. So pro tip. So then Bobby Fish comes running in and he, of course, right? Because he's Adam Cole. Uh, Adam Cole guy. So Cole looks to lower the boom from behind, but Joe reverses it and locks in the rear naked choke. And you're thinking this is this is going to get bad. Joe drops the choke to punch Bobby Fish, and then three super kicks by Cole. Four. Cole lowers the boom from behind. Boom! It's all about that. And that is all. Winner and Owen Hart Foundation Tournament Champion, Adam Cole, baby. Okay. This match um, was a really good match between these two. I would expect nothing else. They are both, I'm fans of both guys. I enjoy both of their works. Um, I can't help but feel like there's a little bit of slowness in the match, but the finish came out of nowhere. 
and it was and I, the crowd wasn't really invested. Like the crowd was in it, but there was this point in the night where the crowd started to die down for a little bit, and it was almost uh, during this match. It wasn't all the way though, so they were still in it for a bit. But the next match kind of did kill it. Um, with that said, I think Cole is the right guy to win this tournament. Okay, Adam Cole. Definitely, you know, as he walks up the ramp, he's got the Owen Hart pink. He looked like he was ready to win this tournament, right? And I think that's a great young winner. And the way they did this, it was very classy. It was well done. And I'm going to talk about the ceremony here in a minute. But first, we're going to have the ceremony after we have the women's tournament final, which is coming up right now. All right, match number six, which is the women's tournament. And that is Ruby Soho. Going against Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. That's right. So, this was your women's final. So, um, you have Owen Hart, Foundation Women's uh, Finalist, going at it. And Rich Rich Ward from Fozzie actually is playing Britt Baker out to the ring. And so, Fozzie. Yeah, you know, they're around. So, he's playing Britt Baker out. So, guess what? Ruby Soho comes out and she gets rancid to play her theme song all the way out to the ring. The old school punk band, right? Um, I went over okay. I think this actually, I, I'm going to say it, I think rancid killed this crowd a little bit. They sung the Ruby Soho song, but the crowd seemed tired at this point and they just kind of was like, eh. So, you know, but those intros, you know, made the match feel like it was even bigger. It wasn't. I, and I said to my buddies, I said, this is what pay-per-view should be about. They should have special entrances and be like unique, right? So um, this is a match I want to go back and watch again. And here's why. I'm going to kind of check it out with you guys. And I'm going to read through my notes. But basically, um, I feel this match was probably better. It wasn't a terrible match, but the crowd was so dead. They couldn't get the crowd pulled back into it, right? And I think Rancid kind of killed the crowd a little. So, And the crowd's tired, and it took a few matches to get them back. Baker tries an elbow on Ruby. Ruby holds out. The knee um, goes to the stomach. Baker, and then we got what seems like some awkwardness a little bit. But finally, the women engage, and Ruby hits an arm drag off of the rope, and then it sends Baker to the outside. There's a shotgun drop kick off the rope, um, to the floor by Ruby, followed by a snap suplex. And then back in the ring, Ruby goes up to the top, and Baker knocks her off and delivers some awkward stiff boots to Ruby's back. Baker heads to the outside and pulls Ruby's body around the ring post. Britt, with the cage seats, bow, and um, the bow and arrow submission, and Ruby cradles it for a two count. The ripcord elbow. Strike by Baker. Baker goes to the middle of the rope, and Ruby catches her and follows her and hits a superplex. Both women are exchanging elbows in the center. Um, pump kick by Baker, followed by a trio of super kicks. All right, super kicks again, right? Saito suplex by Ruby, and she follows with a senton bomb off the top rope. And a one and a two, two count, right? Ruby puts, she puts uh, Britt up top. And Brett hits a gourd buster from the top and hits the curb stop. There's a two count there for that. Baker has the glove here and she is looking for the lock jaw. So she's got her glove out. Ruby knows it's coming and she gets the uh, gets the cradle for the uh, moment for the two count. 
And then there's No Future by Ruby, right? So the Sharpshooter by Ruby. Baker crawls to the ropes. And I'm going to say this. Ruby Riot does not know how to turn, put on a Sharpshooter. There's a lot of people that tried Sharpshooters tonight for Owen Hart and for the Cup. Brett was the master of the Sharpshooter, not Owen, okay? Um, they did this weird laying on the ground sharpshooter and I just yelled in the theater and I said ah, that's what my masseuse does to me that's called a massage that's not a sharpshooter so uh, there's a big knee by Ruby who looks to be victorious and they roll on the top rope but Britt reverses the hold it's a one a two and a three Dr. Britt Baker the DMD alright so this was a fun match and it was right on par with their first one from Dynamite um, so that they ever had so this match started slow but it picked up halfway through and it's possible that we've got the seeds of a possible ruby soho heel turn in this situation but we'll have to wait and see at the end of the day it was dr Britt baker dmd that is the win for me and she is your women's tournament owen hart champion so what does that actually mean right so what that means is they did this thing very classy, and it was done very well. So at the end of this, they are now it's trophy presentation time for the Owen Hart Classic. So Adam Cole makes his way back out as Tony Schiavone is here to welcome him. Dr. Martha, um, and they also welcome Dr. Martha Hart to set the stage. And the crowd chants, Owen, Owen. And a thank you, Martha. Thank you, Martha, as Martha gets emotional on the stage. Martha thanks everyone involved and tells both of the winners um, that their cup, uh, that this is their cup, right, is for to enjoy for the next year. And then she tells them, you know, they get to enjoy the prize, the cup, for the next year. Right? So it's like the Stanley Cup, right? This is going to be an annual thing, which I just love. And then Martha then presents them with their actual championship belts for the tournament. And they look amazing. They're pink. They got their names on them. You know, they're pink, and they got they'll get their names engraved on them. Um, and then, last but not least, you know, Martha presents them both with the Owen Cup, and she said, "I'll see you next year when you have to take it back." So I love the way they did this. Okay, the winner of this tournament won. This tournament was handled with nothing but class. Okay, it was a classy tournament that was synonymous with Owen's King of the Ring win, right? And there was a guys and a girls. And then they present the trophies to the guy and girls. And the winners were both wearing pink, the Owen Hart pink, right? The other half of this is the winners is this power couple. You now have the Adam Cole, Bebe, and Britt Baker power couple that is now the first winners of the Owen Hart tournament. I couldn't think of a better couple to, you know, take the honor. So they got this cup that they're going to have to carry around for the next year or keep. And they're going to have their names engraved on it. It's like the Stanley Cup, right? It's going to be engraved on there. And then they'll have to give up the cup next year to whoever wins it. Not a bad deal. So you get the title to keep to commemorate your winning this thing. But then you also have the championship cup. I love this idea. It's legitimate. It's way better than the Andre Giant Battle Royal at WrestleMania. We have your name on it, but it's really not worth anything at that point, right? So congratulations to Adam Cole, the men's champion, and Dr. Britt Baker, the women's tournament champion, for the first ever Owen Hart Foundation. And um, again, very heartfelt speech by Martha. I'm glad to see her you know, back in the business and her husband's legacy to be respected and honored and very well cared for. And you know, I'm glad to see that it's not tied in with the, you know, 
company that was responsible for his death. So at the end of the day, um, this was a great classy moment. And I would love to see us come back next year and just think of what other winners we could have to kind of keep this celebration happening, right? I like AEW starting to do things like this with their Ring of Honor that MJF wins. And they're just starting to have trophies and tournaments that they can win to build your career up. And you don't have to be champion to do this, but you can still have kind of a nice career and use that to your advantage as a resume builder. So I really like this a lot. I think it's um, a ballpark knockout of the figure, and I think it does belong at double or nothing, right? And I think it does go you know, to that theme, and that can be the theme of double or nothing each year is to have this. All right, guys. We're going to get into match number seven of the night, right? Ugh, we're almost halfway there, right? So this is... Paige Van Zandt, the TNT champion, Scorpio Sky, and Ethan Page. Okay, all with Dan Lambert's team. And then we have Tay Conti, Samuel Guevara, and Frankie Kazarian. All kind of a team. All right, so again, we got a trios match, right? So Kazarian and Sky start the match, but Sammy tags himself in, and he brings in Ethan Page. Page beats on Sammy and looks for the Egos edge but early and sammy flips out and hits a drop kick page back up and hits a gorilla press slam sky's now in again and now he gets the cast to tag in kaz and sky go blow for blow and toe to toe because these guys know they know each other right they've been for it back and forth kazarian backs up with a power slam and a leg drop and kaz tags sammy and sammy struts but kaz wants him to go to the fight so Sky gets the upper hand and tees off on Sammy in the body. Uh, Sammy's body in the corner. Conte grabs Sky from the ring. Sammy takes control of the clothesline. And Sammy hits a double jump cutter uh, and then flips off. He basically then flips off PVS uh, for no reason. Page. Um, other than he's unlikable. <laughs> Kaz goes back in the front uh, in front of Chancery on Sky. Uh, Sky gets up and as the ego trips up Kaz, allowing him to hit a jumping flatliner. Conti runs in and decks Paige Van Seat. Um, Sammy and Conti then dance on the outside. I hate this stuff. Like, this is... Okay, I know it's entertainment, and it's sports entertainment, but the Sam, Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti thing is getting a little old. Um, it's just, oh, it's not even wrestling. They're just kind of, it's, it's ballet class, right? And it's make out, make out ballet class. So regardless, Conte pie faces PVC who, um, then lands with a double power leg and some clotheslines. Okay. So this just goes on and on guys. All right. And these guys are constantly, you know, storytelling's all over. Um, Kaz had enough and you know here's where it really kicks in Kaz had enough he said I'm out you two can go at it and all of a sudden you know all of a sudden the Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page and all of them are surrounding Sam Guevara and Tay Conti and you know what Frankie Kazarian's out and he lets him get beat up and then after they're beat up he comes back in and tries to win the match that shows the quality of Frankie Kazarian Kaz takes himself back and Sammy goes to super kick and he nails him um, and then so basically Sammy gets dumped to the outside and Kaz eats a super kick by Page and a TKO from the sky and that's it. One, two, three. Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and Page Van Zant um, are your winners. So 
the Sammy stuff is generating heat for sure with the crowd, okay? So even though it's annoying, it is working, right? And he's learned a lot under Jericho. Um, it doesn't have a long shelf life to it. Um, Paige wasn't too bad. And if she's interested in pro wrestling, you know, she can surely have a career in it. She's not the worst. She's not the best. She's not the worst. She's a little green, but, you know, I don't think her and Tay Conti are too far off, to be honest. So, so the winners, again, Dan Lambert gets his titles back that was stolen. And I would say this. I like the fact that this was centered around the UFC championship and a couple of titles from UFC because this was the stolen titles that they wanted to get back in this match and they got them, right? So, and they were holding them up, celebrating in victory. Very smart com uh, cross-promotional work by UFC and AEW. I heard Tony Khan actually had dinner with Dana White the other night. And uh, that's a little bit, maybe what set up some of this stuff, you know, but this definitely was a, um, it was a decent match. There was some storytelling in it. It's not my favorite, but I... The second half of this show is getting better. All right, guys, really quick, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for liking, sharing, and subscribing content on the channel. And thank you for interacting with me on Twitter, right? Like, I appreciate you. You're my friends, and I enjoy, you know, interacting and hitting those like buttons and stuff like that and sharing things. So um, I appreciate your guys' support and help. I love that you guys love this because, you know what, I'm a fan at heart. And anyway, enough of that. I just want to say thank you. So let's get going. Our next matchup was Kyle O'Reilly versus Darby Allen. Kyle O'Reilly's making his entrance first. He's a member of Red Dragon, one half of the tag teams. Also associated with Adam Cole. Then his opponent, Darby Allen. If you guys don't know about Darby Allen, Darby is a skateboarding wrestler with a dark side. But I tell you what, he's a unique individual. He's one of my wrestlers I like. He's very good at what he does. He's not afraid to take risks. He's a modern day Jeff Hardy. That's why I wanted those two to wrestle so bad. Darby Allen. What can I say about Darby? He is fallen and he's gotten up when life get, took him down. Mentored by Sting. Sting won't be a part of this match tonight. All Darby walking to the ring. No skateboard this time. Even though his Titantron says it. So guys, we had Darby Allen versus Kyle O'Reilly. Now that the entrances are made, and Darby right away shoots in for the leg early on, right? And Kyle knees him hard in the face and gives him a knee right in the face for trying to do so. Kyle follows up with some palm strikes from the knee to belly, right? Followed by a spinning back trip kick. Arm ringer early by Kyle as that's his MO. And then like the young, like a young Ole Anderson, a hammerlock, Northern Lights, suplex, 
and everything else you could think of. So at that point then, uh, we got Darby, you know, he's working on it. These guys were back and forth. I felt like Darby had a lot of energy and he hit some really hard, right? This match was really Darby with a lot of energy and then it was like Kyle Riley matching that energy and taking them down with technique. So if you went really fast at somebody, it's like how quick can they slam you on the ground and lock you up? That was the gist of this match, right? So, you know, and they battled back and forth like this for a while. Darby tried his traditional extreme moves, but they were always met by Kyle. And I'm thinking, Kyle Riley's looking really good against Darby, who's usually used his wrist to get over, right? But these wrists weren't paying off tonight. So at the end, you know, there was a huge overhand palm strike by Kyle um, as he chokes Darby with his own chain around his mouth, okay? And in the rear naked choke followed by the penalty kick, Darby kicks uh, out by one, another penalty kick, two count this time. Kyle goes up and King uh, Kong knee drop and Kyle gets the win, right? So Kyle gets the win in this matchup, uh, the match of the night so far, honestly. I knew these guys could steal the show. I knew that they would put on a solid match. Nobody was really watching them. They just kind of snuck it in there and nobody's really watching or building up to the show. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we got two good wrestlers that know how to wrestle. So it was definitely a nice, fast-paced change of the night. Um, two of the best wrestlers on the planet right now, honestly. And they didn't get, nor did they need, a 30 minutes to tell the story, right? They just told the story in a very quick, you know, 10, 12 minutes, which was plenty. So at the end of the day, yeah, um, Kyle O'Reilly beat Darby Allen. Uh, he had the advantage all through the match. He locked him up every single time. He threw something at him. He learned something. I question this one a little because Kyle Riley did not need a singles match win, and Darby Allen kind of does. I mean, Darby Allen's Darby Allen, right? So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this and where they follow. Um, or is Darby going to be off for a while? I don't know. So the next matchup then is going to be our, our ninth match of the night, the AEW Women's Championship Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. Um, so in this matchup, it is Thunder Rosa is one of her very first as a new champion to have those defenses. So there's a hard collar to start out and an elbow tie-up to begin the match, and that is set the tone really for the match. The wrist lock by Rosa and Deeb's reverses then rosa reverses with a bridge after that a head scissor by rosa but deebs rolls out stalemate knuckle lock that leads uh and then they do a double arm bar by deeb rosa rolls on to the cover and then into a pendulum these girls women's wrestling women's wrestling women's wrestling that's the chant these girls really are just kind of feeling each other out in the match and getting an idea of who's going to make the first mistake Rosa drops to her knees and hits an uppercut, just like her mentor did, Dustin Rhodes. And Rosa, with the baseball slide to the outside by Deeb, gets out of the way and then drops Rosa's neck first over the top rope. So then the girls go back and forth. Uh, Rosa gets the, the better of it, basically. And she hits a big lariat, another one. Slammed by Rosa, who sends Deeb face first into the middle turnbuckle with an Irish whip. Running clothesline in the second corner. The Northern Lights suplex for two. 
Rosa looks for the fire thunder and but Deeb just counters it um, into the flying octopus hold. So these guys go back and forth. They hit things like diamond dust off the top rope. They counter things into Russian leg suplexes right after, right? So, and then there's even a Death Valley driver just to measure, right? So this is kind of a crazy matchup back and forth. And then finally, you know, it ends with a combination where they get a two. Rosa misses a pair of running knees in the corner as Deeb goes through the top rope. Rosa follows her up and it looks for a suplex and gets it. Rosa rolls through, fire driver, and that'll get it done. One, two, three. All right, so these are back-to-back -back good matches and um, there was no doubt in my mind this match would be great, uh, but the buildup felt a lot less to be desired. And so one of the things I say I really have with the women's division right now is these girls, AEW's got to find a way to get these girls their identities, okay? I feel like their talent is there, but they got nobody to teach them the identity, right? And I look, Thunder Rosa has an identity, okay? Tony Storm, Ember Moon, we'll call her Athena now, um, Ruby Soho, they all have an identity, right? But most of them came from WWE. So let's look. Thunder Rosa came from Lucha Underground, but she still had an identity, Dr. Britt Baker is the only one that has an identity. And you know what? She's dating Adam Cole. So, you don't think they didn't work that out? So, what I'm saying is these girls like Anna Jay, Serena Deeb, um, Jade is starting to get an identity. All of these girls, I see so many of them, they just don't have an identity to how they're going to do this. I mean, they have a look they have, or they have talent. You need more in this business. You need to be able to speak. You need to be able to wrestle. And you need to have a certain look. Right? And so ultimately, we need somebody that's going to help take these girls under their wing and show them how to have these great matches and how to have an identity and be able to connect with an audience and say, yeah, I think I'm into that person. I want to, I want to support them. So it's nothing. I don't think the girls are doing wrong. I just think that AEW... We can do a little bit better of trying to get them that support and create that identity for them. Anyway, at the end, your winner is going to be Thunder Rosa. That's a beautiful looking women's title. I'm so glad they switched it the last pay-per-view at Revolution. Way better. Um, it looks sharp. And so looks deserving too on Thunder Rosa. She had a good match for one of her first title defenses. So congratulations to Thunder Rosa, and I hope you have a long career to where we can keep you down that belt, and let's, let's raise the bar with some of these other girls. All right, guys, so coming up next, we have the Anarchy in the Arena match, and we came out, and the entrances hit. The Jericho Appreciation Society, for over five weeks, the recognized symbol of excellence of sports entertainers. We get the Jericho Appreciation Ceremony. All right, Society, the Jericho Appreciation Society. 
These guys came out ready for an arena anarchy match. What they didn't realize is they're going to run into some stars themselves in John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Daniel Bryan, Santana, and Ortiz. But for right now, they played a little Judas and they entered. And up next, it is Eddie Kingston's group. Daniel Bryan, Santana Ortiz, Eddie Kingston, John Moxley. The Blackpool Combat Group. We got a group. They make their way out. They come out from the top of the arena in this one. While Jericho's team is already in the ring singing to Fozzie. And at that point, we get in and we start seeing the match begin and break down. This is a cluster. This match was hard to cover, guys. It was all over the place, right? Um, they came up out of the arena, and then the Jericho Appreciation Society goes up to meet half of them, and they had cameramen everywhere, which good job to the camera team and the moderators to like get the people where the cameras need to be turned on. But this match was everywhere. There was ketchup and mustard out in the vending areas. There was T-shirts being thrown. There was tall ladders. There was tables being crushed. You couldn't even tell who was fighting who. They were all fighting each other, right? And... I mean, just a lot of crazy stunts and anarchy. And I felt like I was watching a Tom and Jerry cartoon in wrestling form. And I'm not going to lie, it was pretty kick-ass. The best part was the very beginning of the match, once they got going, Justin Roberts says, Ladies and gentlemen, shit's about to hit the fan. <laughs> and then he says, okay, no. And then he goes on to his announcement. But he's not wrong. They tore down everything in this thing. I was fearful that they weren't going to get the ring set back up for the final matches because it's already getting late and that ring was torched. They had no third rope. Everything was just down. So they pretty much had to build a new ring during some commercials, right? Or during some promos, I should say. So it starts out, Wild Thing is playing in the background, which is John Moxley's. And it's on loop. And it plays for like three or four different times, Right? One of my friends says it reminds him of New Jack from um, ECW days, right? It just kept playing it over and over and over. Um, this was an impossible one to really follow, and you're going to have to watch it a couple times. Just know there's a lot of chaos. Moxley um, basically gets like a suplex on the ramp. That was one part of it. Wild Thing is again playing again, right? It keeps playing over and over again. Um, Moxley is then stabbing Menard in the head with a fork. That was a part of it. Moxley then finds Jericho and Santana hits a superplex on Parker on the ramp. Kingston is bleeding. Menard is bleeding. Jericho is wearing sunglasses for some reason that have one of the sunglasses poked out. Kingston is bleeding on a log. And then there's a table set up in the ring and Hager is, is over there with Ortiz. And Jericho is in a motorized scooter, which doesn't seem to be able to drive, but he's trying to drive in and scooch it and make it go. Kingston is licking... Menard's blood. Jericho hits Moxley in the face with a toolkit. Santana 
and Ortiz are in the ring with Jake Hager. Menard is trying to throw Kingston down a flight of stairs. Jericho went over to the south soundboard and he smashed it all to hell. And now the fans are pissed because Wild Thing finally stopped playing over the, the sound speakers. Menard um, and Kingston are going to the concession stands. Moxley hits a double axe handle on Jericho off of the top of the uh, wirings. And then Kingston and Parker are paired up. And that's the first thing that I've ever seen one of them. That's, that's like a, we this jumped around so much. There's so many cameras. It was hard to catch what was going on. Moxley hit Jericho with the jib camera, swinging it right into his face, almost like old school, like Stone Cold and Mick Foley. Um, Santana and Ortiz put Hager through a table with a street sweeper. Um, Menard is covered in mustard again. And Dan Daniel Garcia hit a pile driver on Ortiz from the apron onto the steps. It was brutal. And then finally, Daniel uh, Brian Danielson is kicking a lot of people, and Kingston and Menard have destroyed the t-shirt stand. Parker hits Danielson with the ring bell. Garcia has blindsided Kingston um, in the shirt area. Jericho suplexed Moxley into a row of chairs. Moxley fired a full cooler at Jericho's head, and Garcia low blows Kingston and chokes him with the belt. So then after that, Jericho puts a walls of Jericho on Moxley in the timekeeper's table, but then it collapses because it's so loose it doesn't hold up. There's a Topa Suicida by Moxley to Jericho, and I figured, you know, a figure four then on the outside was also thrown on him. It's a lot going on here, guys. The Shining Wizard by Garcia to Kingston on the escalator. Yes, kicks by Danielson to Hager. Moxley is unscrewing the turnbuckles. Moxley's taking the ring apart. He's literally tearing down all the ropes in the ring, okay? Um, there's vertical suplex by Hager to Danielson on the ramp. Moxley has successfully now dismantled the entire ring. And there are in the middle, there are only middle ropes and bottom ropes left, okay? Very dangerous. Just trip hazards. Then he add he hits Jericho in the yam, right in the nuts, right with the turnbuckle hook. Danielson uh, is fish hooking Hager with the turnbuckle, and then Kingston and Garcia are fighting in the elevator. And the elevator closes, and they don't know where they're going. Santana and Menard are in the crowd. The crowd is nearing the table, and the freight elevator is closed. And behind leaves behind Eddie and Garcia. This goes on, guys, on and on and on. It's nothing but sheer chaos. Okay, and then finally, as this goes on for another 15-20 minutes of this brutal beating, Danielson has a lock, a label lock, and Moxley has Hager in the uh, bulldog choke, and then Eddie is here with a can of gasoline all of a sudden. Okay, okay, a can of gasoline. Eddie pours gasoline on Brian Danielson and Jericho. Danielson gets in Eddie's face as they pair off, and Jericho lays into everyone with a steel chair. Jericho lays into everyone again. Judas Effect by Jericho and Kingston. Jericho cracks Danielson in the face with a turnbuckle, and, he get, um, and then he gets out at two. Hager and Jericho alone with Danielson in the ring now. Danielson fights out and takes on both men, but Danielson's kicking both men and chopping down Hager. And then the psycho knee to Hager. 
and then the psycho knee to Jericho, who's holding the chair in front of him. So it's just all around Daniel Bryan offense, right? So and then at the end, there's a single Danielson with the bat, um, has Jericho locks in the single leg crab on the bad knee, and Hager then puts the ring ropes around Danielson's neck. So they got him locked in, they rope him and hang him around his neck with the ring ropes. And they pull back and they strangle him as hard as he can until he passes out. So I guess the winners are the Jericho Appreciation Society. Wow, I mean, how, what do you rate this thing, right? This is all over. How do you judge it? Uh, it was sheer chaos. And here's what I judge it. I judge it because it woke up the crowd. The crowd was dying at this point in the night. It's so tired. It was such a long pay-per-view. But you know what? The crowd woke up. So... How are we going to get this ring cleaned up? How are we going to get this mess taken care of? As Jericho and his crew are bloody and beaten, all wearing their white pants. Never trust a guy in white pants. And they're wearing it in the ring, right? So, here's number one. We get... This was just a big bar fight. It was amazing. It stole the show, I think. Jericho's also undefeated at Double or Nothing, just saying. So, incredibly entertaining. And then we get a skit after this with Andrade El Idolo. And, you know, he hates the name AFO, okay? And then that group um, was losers. Andrade has a new business partner, and his name is Rush. And Rush apparently is this Mexico wrestler that is really popular and really known that he is now all elite, and he's with Andrade. So, that's something to look forward to here. So then we get the double or nothing AE. W World Tag Team Championships. So, triple threat rules. So, this will be fast and, and furious, starting with quick action as Luchasaurus has Starks in a sidewalk slam and Jungle Boy comes off the top with the elbow. Swerve takes Starks down with the tears. Hobbs tags himself in and Lee tags himself in. There's lots of tags back and forth, back and forth. Jungle Boy then is in and he saves Swerve and takes exception. So, at this point, Jungle Boy's in here doing his thing. And then this is where it kind of really just breaks down. These guys start just going all at it all over the place, right? You got Keith Lee doing moonsaults off Keith to the outside, right? You've got all kinds of craziness, right? You've got Team Taz trying to do the Team Taz thing with choking everyone out. So you have a lot of hand flipping off of the ropes. So these guys went back and forth like crazy. Um, it was kind of chaos everywhere, not as bad as the Jericho match. But ultimately, here's what it is. There's a swerve stomp and a miss. Drastic Express hits with a flipping back flip suplex. Sit out power bomb combo. Whew, that was a lot of lucha there, right? But then they get the three count. And there's still the AEW champions. It's Jurassic Express, of course, with Christian guiding them along. So, um... I was tired. I was super tired by this night, right? Not just watching it, but talking about it. But with this match, and it was a blast. It was a good, good way to get this crowd up and going. Um, I didn't expect Drastic Express to walk out with the titles. But I guess they'll be, you know, saving that Christian Cage heel turn for later, right? You know, we're waiting on Christian to turn heel. It's like the worst kept secret in wrestling. Uh, it's fun for everybody in this match. Um, I would like to see FTR become challengers soon enough. But let's move on. Because, you know what? It's not over yet. We got a main event. 
All right, guys. So in the main event, we got Adam Hangman Page versus CM Punk. And let's get the entrances. Adam Hangman Page, AEW Champion. He won it off Kenny Omega almost six months ago. He's had seven title defenses since then. He's looking for his eighth tonight in his matchup with none other than the challenger, C.M. Punk. Chicago's own CM Punk. That's right. Chicago made Punk. Player coach. Whatever you want to know him as. Phil Brooks. He's the best in the world. You look at his eyes. What do you see? Punk arrived in the arena, looking ready to fight. He jumped in, he walked down the aisle, slapped his wrist, and yelled, It's clobbering time! Fans loved every bit of it. Would this be the night that CM Punk will win the title? I think it will. My money bet on it. And guess what? That did pay off. And so it's crazy, right? Because you have CM Punk versus Adam Hangman Page. Adam Hangman Page has not been the best champion. I find his matches to be a little bit boring. He needs a good dance partner to dance with. Um, I like his work though, and I want him to do good. You know, like I want to become a fan. But I just, none of his matches have wowed me yet. Uh, the match with Omega when he won it was decent. Uh, I didn't like the Adam Cole match with him. And then tonight with CM Punk wasn't terrible. There was a couple botches in this match. It wasn't on Adam, though. It was on CM Punk. It was really bad. He tried to do his move twice. He tried to do CM or Adam Page's move twice. So let's talk about it. Who's going to walk out with the title? Well, both men started out nose-to-nose, -nose, and the crowd was 60-40 for Punk. It was back and forth. They were cheering and booing each other. Nobody, Everybody got booed. Everybody got cheered. The fans really were just cheering for CM Page. That's what I used to say. Or... Hangman Punk, take your pick. So, there's a lot of strikes that go on back and forth. Page drops Punk with an elbow. So, he's kind of in the command right now, right? As the match goes through, Hangman is begging for booze from the crowd. And the man's got crazy eyes out of nowhere. Uh, Page whips Punk into the turnbuckle sternum. So, they got the ring back together pretty well. So, I mean, I'm surprised for this match. So... Um, at the end of the day, I mean, these two go back and forth, and they're, you know, it's a very competitive match. The crowd hates it, though, you know, the two-count thing. But basically, um, they go back and forth. They do each other's finishing moves, right? They, Punk tries to go for the Lariat twice, and he falls on the flip. Um, I think Punk's getting too old to do that kind of stuff. Hangman hits a couple good... GTS is on here. 
So, it comes to a point where there's a decision. This was the good storytelling, right? Hangman rolls Punk into the ring, and he sets up the buckshot, but Punk catches him for the GTS. Hangman takes the legs out. Uh, legs take out the referee, and Hangman is still hit by the lariat. The referee is down. Hangman's eye has crazy eyes, and he's eyeing the AEW Championship title. Page grabs the belt, and Punk covers up. But Paige ultimately drops the title because he's an honest man and he doesn't want to win by cheating. That's a great way to build a face, right? That's a good character there. So, Paige goes to the apron looking for the buckshot, but Punk counters. GTS, one, two, three, and new AEW World Champion for the first time in almost eight years. CM Punk. That's right, guys. What a story and what a match. This was a great storytelling in this match. And CM Punk is now the face of the company, everyone. CM Punk, I'm going to say it again, is the face of the company. He's got his main event shows. And we're going to call it the Summer of Punk. And it starts now. The entire arena was chanting CM Punk. CM Punk and the roof's going off the arena. I'm proud of CM Punk. I'm proud that he got his just due, right? He deserves this. He's suffered for so long. He deserves a happy ending like this, and I'm glad we're able to give this to him. Um, I want to see what where he goes from here and what he agrees to do. But at the end of the day, appreciate this win. It's yours, and nobody will ever take it from away from you, Phil. So congratulations. Um, definitely a great match to win. I'll be honest, I'll give you my thoughts here in the final thoughts section. The pay-per-view closes. And just before we do, I want to give you my final thoughts. So, I watched so much wrestling tonight, I don't even know where to begin. Um, there were 12 matches on this card altogether, if I counting them right. And that's lasted about almost six hours. That's too long for anybody, guys. However, you know, I understand what Tony Khan's doing, right? Uh, if you're asking a fan to spend that much money on a pay-per-view, you want to give them as much as they can, and I think they've done that here tonight, right? I enjoy my time at the movies with the guys watching these things, right? And come here and talking with you guys on Twitter and on YouTube. So the first two hours were a hit or a miss, aside from the House of Black death triangle match. But once we got to the Kyle O'Reilly Darby Allen, that's picked up gears, and it was all systems go, and the last two hours were just an absolute blast realistically you have to look at wrestling like a buffet right you have to say which means you need to find a way to appeal to everybody who's watching or who could be watching it and 10 should be the absolute cap right so that's about it 10 matches all right they went over today um the intergender trios with and jade cargill and mj that could have been moved to a later date, all right? The intergender trio and the Jade Cargill match. And given some more time to really build and develop and give these girls some tips. While we wouldn't have got Athena, that could have probably hurt. But, I mean, you know, that was the debut. Um, all in all, though, I think they accomplished their goal in this show. They introduced some new faces like Athena, Rush, Big Stoke, and had some great wrestling and gave people the whole new reason to watch Dynamite this week. And that's what it's really about, is to keep the product alive. So, 
I am going to say I like Double or Nothing. My one friend said if it's Double or Nothing, he might just take nothing. I kind of laughed at that joke tonight. But there were some uh, matches that were a little messy. But you know what? Overall, I'm a fan of the product. I'm a fan of what they're trying to do here. And they're really trying to put in the good work. Um, you now have a champion in CM Punk who can draw money. People are going to pay their money to see CM Punk put on a show. So, And that's going to be good for everybody in the company and everybody in the locker room because now it trickles down. You also have guys like Daniel Bryan wait in the rings. I would like to see CM Punk versus Daniel Bryan at All Out after a summer of feuding with a final payoff of an Iron Man match. 60 minutes. CM Punk versus Daniel Bryan. The WrestleMania match we should have gotten years ago that we never did. I want that at All Out this year. Other things I think we can see. I think we can see the secondary titles defended a little more in the summer, right? I think we can also afford to see a couple other the women's divisions. Um, they need some help, though. But that's enough. I mean, what do you guys think? Tell me what you think. Hit me up on Twitter or you know down in the comments, right? Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show here. I put a lot of different things into this presentation tonight. Um, sorry my performance isn't up to par. I'm definitely exhausted. It's been a long night. I mean, it, at this time, it's about 3.30 in the morning. So I am going to get going, guys. Thank you for being here with me, and thank you for supporting me. Again, it means so much. But double or nothing, I would say overall, it's a win. And speaking of win, I think it's time to get going. So just thanks for watching. Like, share, subscribe like you always do. And remember, it's not goodbye around here. It's always game over.